Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari, or welcome back if you're coming back. Thank you very much for returning. Um, I am delighted to be back with another episode. I have had a really, yeah, a good week. It's been a lot, of, a lot actually, now that I think about it. Um, it was kind of a fancy week. I had a lot of work events. Um, because I write a beauty column, I get to do a lot of relatively fancy stuff as part of that. Every once in a while, you get to do something super fancy. And this week, I did get to do something pretty fancy. I went to the Mac Face Show in London, which was part of London Fashion Week. Um, and I got to stay in a really fancy hotel and go to this event, which had like Twiggy and Monroe Bergdorf and like loads of people you'd recognize from various social media platforms in the show. Charlie XCX was there. Jordan Woods was there. Um, Nicole Scherzinger was there. Uh, like Brie Runway was there. Like so many cool people. And then like loads of really interesting and cool creatives who I've followed for years. It was just like one of those things where I'm not going to lie, I get major imposter syndrome in those situations. I'm kind of like, what am I doing here? I do not belong. Um, and I kind of want, I posted this on my Instagram stories. It's very accurate. I kind of want just an invisibility cloak so that I could sit in the corner and just people watch um, and not have to feel my own presence. Um because it just feels like another world. It's like you're dipping into someone else's world. But anyway, I absolutely loved it. Loved being there. Loved those experiences are incredible. Um, and I felt very lucky uh, and grateful to Mac for bringing me over for that. Um, it was very, very cool indeed. Other than that, I was doing loads of different bits and pieces, lots of family stuff, lots of other work stuff. Um, it was a good week overall, no major complaints. And I'm still just so grateful not to be sick anymore. Um, little reminder that I have two live shows on sale at the moment. One of them is in Limerick in Dolan's on the 18th of October. Then on St. Bridget's Day on February 1st, I'm going to be in the Everyman Theatre in Cork. Very much looking forward to that. It is going to be extremely girl power uh, that night. That's the whole vibe that I'm going for. Um, and I would really love if you would come and join me, um, join me, not enjoy me. That sounds, I mean, I guess I hope you also enjoy me. Is that gross and weird to say? It feels a little bit gross and weird to say. Anyway, the links are in the show notes, uh, as is the link to the Patreon. If you want to get some extra stuff from me, you can. There's going to be uh, the culture episode of the Patreon uh, content is going to be out next week. We're going to be discussing the supermodels, the Apple TV Plus series about... Cindy Crawford, Linda Evangelista, Christy Turlington and Naomi Campbell, which just launched this week. It's um, 
It's a very good, like, nostalgic walk down memory lane. There's nothing too groundbreaking in it, but it's just really fun to go back to that time in fashion and hear their stories of how their career started and um, all that kind of thing. So I would recommend that, actually, just for some light entertainment if you want it, and I will be discussing it on the Culture episode next week. Anywho, we might as well get into the news section. Um, Myself and Aoife have a bit of an announcement. Well, it's really Aoife's announcement, um, and then we will get into the news. So enjoy. Aoife Moore. Louise McSharry. We... I don't even know how to do this. I'm going to start crying. Don't start crying. So, guys, we have to share something with you, um, which I have known about for a good while, and Aoife has obviously known about for a good while, but um, I said to her, we need to tell our friends on the podcast our family um because unfortunately next week is going to be Eva's last week on the podcast yeah it's for a good reason it's because she's got a new job and unfortunately her new job is a big very super professional job which won't allow her to be on this podcast every mm-hmm. week and um, which I respect um but it's the end of an era yeah so next week we'll be asked my ass pod and then from 2nd of October, I become the new Dublin correspondent for the BBC. <laughs> like, this is an amazing development for Eve and her career, and I'm so delighted for her. But I'm obviously so gutted, sad. yeah, for the podcast and for you guys, because I know you absolutely love her. Yeah. The good news is I have someone lined up who I think yes. is going to be great. Very, um, very good. Eva I'm, has given her seal of approval. And I was afraid that you were going to be like... <laughs> someone not necessarily like me but I was like oh my god what if it's someone like like me like an older woman who does the same sort of thing and then they like her better <laughs> it's like I'd be so Eva, jealous there is no one like you like <laughs> literally no one you are genuinely irreplaceable but I do so. love the replacement yeah it's a slightly different uh, slightly different vibe that makes it sound like it's some sort of alien and I'm not going to tell you who it is yeah, today it's but, a surprise. Um, I feel I feel pretty good about it so um I hope you guys will stick with me please don't abandon mm-hmm. me just because Eva's going to be finishing I think up. you will I can safely say that you will lose one definite listener because my wee brawler only listens to my part of the podcast and then turns it off <laughs> Keelan so Keelan is gone let's say Keelan that's he might rude. be a fan of the replacement though we don't know <laughs> Anyway, um, it is it is very sad for both of us, and I know sad for you. But um, you know, look, Eva is going to be succeeding in her own mm. right in a new role that's going to teach her loads of new things, and we're all absolutely delighted for her and her success. And then I might come back. Yeah, no, who knows? No. Like we're not going to stop talking to each other. So no, no, um, I'm just going to come to Lisa's house and eat her food and drink her drink without a reason. <laughs> can you send uh, voice notes into the Patreon? <laughs> I'll have to sign up now. <laughs> little bitch. I wouldn't mind. Do you know how many underhand digs I got about the one week in which I hadn't yet signed up for Aoife's paid podcast? And she... Like, Do you know who else hasn't signed up? She kept... She was like, I know who signed up. As in, like, I know you haven't signed up. I was like, Eva, it's been a busy week. It's been one week. And she has still yet to sign up for my Patreon. So um, I like, think I have the upper hand here, actually. I'll sign up now. I'm, not on I'm only joking. Anyway. I'm only joking. Um, it's grand. Um, but anyway, look, it's not the, this isn't the last one with Aoife, so we don't no, need to get all emotional. We have next week to cry. Um, and then so, we'll get drunk of right night. Yeah, but we just didn't yeah. want to lay it on you kind of all of a sudden next week and then have it all be different the following week. So we wanted to give you a fair warning because I know how much you guys love Aoife. And obviously, Aoife, you've been an absolutely integral part of this podcast and a huge support to me uh, from the very beginning when I was completely alone and I didn't know what mm-hmm. I was doing. And so... You will always be a part of the podcast, even if the BBC mm. have stolen you from me. 
<laughs> it's fine. Um, anyway, let's get into the news. And obviously, we have to start with the absolutely horrendous behavior that took place outside the doll this week yeah so there were 13 people arrested outside the doll on Kildare street yesterday um this is so we're recording on thursday so yeah on sorry wednesday, um yeah. on wednesday so the doll returned after summer recess um for the first day yesterday and a far-right protest um organized by the same people who attend anti-trans the people who have been storming libraries against lgbtqi books these people um, built a mini gallows. So a gallows is what people used to hang people from. They had pictures of Norma Foley, Mary Lou McDonald, Owen O'Brien, um, calling them quislings and traitors um, to the Irish people. What is a quisling? It's a really old word that used in like medieval times or someone who's like a rat, like someone like who's traitorous. Why are they using medieval language? Why do they do anything? <coughs> um, Fair. Yeah. So at one point... They had cornered off both gates. So there's a gate on Marion Street and a gate on Kildare Street. And at one point, all staff and TDs were told to stay inside the complex because the Guardi couldn't couldn't guarantee their safety. Mm. There are really distressing videos of people like Michael Healy Ray um, being abused. People like trying to attack him. There was one point where Fel looked like he was going to throw a bottle at him and he had to be escorted to... Uh, out of Leinster House by uh, a guard. By several guards. Um, yeah. So there was two around 200 of them at the start. So, listen, okay. So this is the list of things they were protesting. <laughs> Immigration, COVID-19 vaccines, transgender rights, sex education in schools, and proposed hate speech laws. Some protesters carried placards depicting politicians, including the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and Sinn Féin leader Mary MacDonald, as traitors and globalists. There were chants of Irish Lives Matter and Ireland for the Irish. Yeah. I actually would point out at one point they told Michael Healy Ray to go back to his own country. Now, I know Kerry considers itself a republic. <laughs> and if anyone has ever been to Dingle, it is heaven on earth. But as far as I am concerned... It's not its own country. No, I was actually, it's funny. I didn't know that this protest was happening. And then yesterday. Good. Well, it means you're not right wing. <laughs> well, yesterday, TikTok. Louise kept, is like, no one even texts me. <laughs> well, no, I was really annoyed because I was on TikTok yesterday and TikTok kept serving me up live streams of the pod, of oh, the protest. Don't like that. Over and over and yeah. over again, like five or six times mm-hmm. from different angles, from different people. And I was like, what, you know, first of all, why is TikTok giving this to me? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't understand that. And I found that to be worrying, to yeah. be honest. Um, but then I also was nervous because I had to go to something mm-hmm. on Marion Street yesterday mm-hmm. at 3.30. Um, and when I arrived, I was happy because the protest at that stage was over on Kildare Street. Yeah. But as I was leaving, people had started to come around Migrated the corner around, yeah. um, and there were a few people hanging around who I would not want to be hanging around no. with and I he- overheard there was a group of, of people standing on um, the steps of one of the Georgian buildings there um, mm. opposite the doll I think they might have been like a camera crew okay. or journalists yeah. and I heard one of them say I mean it's like a social outing for them really isn't it mm. and one of the other ones went yeah and that is kind of what it feels well, like most conspiracy theories are based on the, first of all the notion of being part of something mm. and and also this empowerment of I know something you don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's why it very much attracts lonely, vulnerable men. Not and women. There yeah. were women there there yesterday. Yeah, there were, yeah. I would also like to point out that these so-called harbingers of morality and Irishness, Michael Healy Ray's intern was uh, assaulted and had her phone stolen 
because she was like jostled coming out and she couldn't find her phone then when um she got out he said that it was her first day here on an official intern program from america she was pushed shoved kicked in the back of her legs she's 20 right and her phone was stolen 20 and this is the thing i would like to say as well that there are senators and some tds who learned yesterday that the leopards are going to come for your face too Mm. you can't put the toothpaste back in there in the tube and telling these people that they have valid concerns every time they protest a library or whatever else or a, a center for refugees this is why they feel emboldened mm-hmm. now we have been lucky up into this point that we have able to hold back the far right but they're here now and they are emboldened and there was a number of tweets from a number of senators yesterday who have stoked up this over a number of months and then they couldn't believe it when it came to their own front door mm. it's the thing about when i voted for the leopard eating faces party i never thought they were going to eat my face they're going to come for all of these because they see politicians as the elite mm. i think it's incredibly depressing and i would also like to point out many people have said the difference in policing compared to the evictions that we saw on Summerhill, and then the policing that we saw for far-right protests has been very different mm. and what drew harris said was well if we go heavy-handed on the far right then it's just uh, a recruitment tool for them and they can use it against us mm. They don't seem to be too worried about that when it comes to people of protests and evictions. I don't think the softly, softly approach is going to work anymore. And what was very depressing is politicians are very, very rightly annoyed about what happened in Leinster House yesterday. But where were they for the librarians? Mm. This has been happening and bubbling up all over the summer. Yeah, we've it started, all seen the footage. It started yeah. last Christmas with the refugees as well. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know any. I am disturbed by it, but I'm not surprised. No. And, you know, you can make no bones about it. Like, maybe there were some people there yesterday with valid concerns. I don't know. But I can tell you that when I kept getting served the live streams, what I got was racism, xenophobia, and hate over and over again. Foreigners out, I heard chanted. <laughs> like, you know, this is not. This is not good. It's no. not good. And we cannot let these people think that they can intimidate and, and attack people, which is what happened yesterday. Helen McEntee tweeted today, I've spoken to the Garda Commissioner and the Superintendent in Pear Street about the disgraceful scenes outside Leinster House yesterday. While we will always protect the right to peaceful protest, what we saw yesterday was the intimidation and threatening of elected representatives and members of Garda Giacona doing their work on behalf of the people in the state. This has no place in our democracy. But like... I I find that frustrating because what about the librarians? Like what about genuinely, the librarians? and it's going to move to school soon. It'll be moved to school soon. That's what I'm. Do you think Enoch Burke's going to stand out there by himself for much longer? But also, I mean, the staff of RTE have also been intimidated exactly. outside their workplace on a regular basis throughout the pandemic and since. Exactly. Like it's this is not a first. And the first time they are really laying the groundwork. So Derek Blythe, who's the leader of the newly registered anti-immigration party Ireland First, addressed the crowd outside Leinster House yesterday and said that we're undercover guard among them attempting to instigate violence isn't it mad that you can't just bring a gallows to a protest anymore without being called violent right <laughs> extremists they don't need Gardaí and their undercover instigating violence no they instigated themselves they went after michael healy ray of all this people like this isn't anti-fine anti-landlords or anti-left wing anti-shanfine this is anybody and everybody yeah. they don't want appears to be they don't want a government yeah. not in saying that the healy rays aren't even in the government so i don't actually know what their problem is with the healy rays it's almost as they're if they, establishment almost as if they just wanted a social outing and they're racist almost as if 
almost as if that, Aoife. Okay, um, next. What's been going on this week in terms of Temple <gasps> Street? This is, seems to be a horrendous story. Fill us in. Yeah, so Temple Street Hospital, um, there is now a full review, a full internal and external review into complications with the spinal surgery program for children with spina bifida in Temple Street. So... The full reviews are now going to be released. They weren't going to be released, but they are now going to be released because families have put huge pressure on the hospital. So the reviews found that children who received a particular type of spinal surgery had to return to the operating theatre 11 separate times on average. One child had to return 33 times. Jesus. Um, so this surgery that they're talking about it's called instrumented posterior spinal fusions was conducted four times and was found to have the largest amount of complications and the patients who underwent this type of surgery um which needs like rods plates screws to help the bones fuse together spent the longest times in icu and 13 out of 16 of the children who underwent the spinal surgery in the hospital required additional surgery so this has all come these reviews have come on the back of one surgeon who his colleagues had flagged for a while that there were concerns about his work and performance and the capacity under which he was um, doing the surgery. There is a really high incidence. I don't know why this is. I should have Googled this. There is a really high incidence of spina bifida in Ireland. So although it's not super common, it does happen. These types of surgeries do happen here quite a bit mm. um one of my best friends actually has spina bifida shout out to Mero. but um there have been yeah there were ongoing concerns about one particular surgeon in temple street and now it appears that the governing structures left a lot to be desired and we have now found that these children may may have been subject to further and compl- complications and further surgeries because of what's the right word a competence issue mm. so one of the reviews the executive um said that the review arises from very serious concerns identified by the chi relating to poor surgical outcomes in spinal surgery at the hospital plus the use of a certain spinal technique and the use of unauthorized implantable devices the chi said that three patients who had surgery involving metalwork were affected and have been contacted they are now going to write to all patients and families on the spinal surgery waiting list before the 26th of september to inform them of any changes to their treatment plan or consultations the surgeon who is the subject of this review and the one that we've been talking about is not suspended but the hse has confirmed that he elected to pause surgeries himself pending the outcome of the reviews mm. the thing that the families want to know is when this became apparent to the hse because there was a number of serious spinal surgical incidents why was something not done sooner could something have been done sooner mm. um we rt have spoken to a lot of the families um because remember these are like a lot of these are very young kids yeah who, like and especially now if surgeries are being paused that's longer than these kids are going to have to wait for further yeah. spinal bifida surgery. But the concerns were first raised in the second half of 2022. And then surgeries began being paused. Now a lot of the families have been contacted. Um, so the co-lead of the spinal bifida paediatric advocacy group said, 
there are, has now been a climate of fear among parents and that a clinical review that was carried out did not involve interviews with the parents of the children affected. They have now asked to meet the Taoiseach um, for they have concerns that their review is too narrow. Mm. So they want to meet Leo Vragger now to talk to him about it. This, when I first heard this, I remember thinking, could this be worse? Small children with spinal injuries that unauthorised techniques and unauthorised implantable devices could have been used and concerns may have been raised and they may be able to have acted quicker and didn't. Yeah. So we The timing of it is going to be We yeah, await, crucial. obviously, the outcomes of the reviews, mm. but it is heartbreaking yeah. for those families because... You know, even my friend who has spina bifida was talking to a parent of one of those children and he said it was supposed to be one surgery that his child had and it turned into four and she's only eight. Oh, it's just putting families through that is just horrendous. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, let's move on. Uh, So much drama over the last couple of weeks over one person's role within RTE and it all kind of came to a head this week because she spoke out. Let's talk about it. Okay, so... Last week we talked about the fact that RTE were back in front of the Oireachtas Committee and they, it then emerged that RTE were looking for a stills photographer for the soap Fair City. They said that they would be break, beginning a tender process so it would be €240,000 over four years for a stills photographer. So a stills photographer sets up like little tableaus of the scene in fair city and then takes the photo and they use that for like the rt guide the rt player and basically we don't really think about it at the time but it's trying to show what's happening in the scene just in one still picture so it's not like being a normal photographer Mm. you have to be there on set all day you need to like get to know obviously the script and then the characters etc etc so in the oireachtas committee last week um a finnegan senator michael carragy said that he was incredibly shocked at the size of the fee. And he said, I'm just going to read out his exact quote. Mm-hmm. I've asked my assistant to take a picture of me speaking here and I'll show it to you in about two minutes time and it won't cost anything to be able to do that. Mm. He said that he felt 240000 over four years was too high, especially because RT are supposed to be trying to save money. He, I am taking it for granted, does not know a lot about stills photography or maybe any photography, hard to know. Um, however, um, Betta Bygart, is that right? Bygart? I, I have actually worked with Betta before, okay. full disclosure, um, but I have, I'd have never had to say her surname, so unfortunately I <laughs> can't confirm. So she's the current holder of the contract. Yeah, and, and these contracts go out for tender on a regular basis yeah, because obviously you work for a state. Yeah. yeah. So they put out the tender, the t- politicians jumped on this as like another flip-flop scandal about how RT don't know how to look after their money. And, and like, I have to say, some of the reporting of this, in my opinion, was irresponsible because yeah. people were throwing out 240,000 euro and not yeah. saying that it's that was over granny. four years. It's six grand a year. Yeah. yeah. So Betta put out a Facebook, I actually saw it on Instagram, but I believe it was a Facebook post. She said that she wrote to me, Okay, and she said he was very, she was very disturbed by his comments. Uh, she said it was a highly insulting and derogatory to all people who work within creative industries and your ignorant comment of reducing a photographer's work to such a level astounded me so much and I perhaps need to explain. So then she went on to write a really eloquent and well put, or not even argument, explanation of how you can't just take these photos on a smartphone. Um, you know, it's not the only aspect of her job. 
she talked a lot about how what I just said about setting up the scenes and working with the photographer. She also said that she's not staff, so if she's sick, she'll have to get someone to fill in. It's also another. It's three days on set, two days of editing. Yeah, and she also has to pay for her equipment, yeah. and she has to pay Insurance, for the lights and yeah. all of that, and she has to drive because she needs to carry her equipment around. Yeah. Like and it's she not said, taking a photo on your bloody iPhone. Yeah, and she invited them to rethink your outlook and make a public apology for the ill-considered remarks you have loaded on all creative practitioners in our country. A representative in your position should refrain from such insulting comments and make appropriate redress for them. Um, Michal Karagi said he had highlighted the cost of the contract and said it was an unnecessary expense. Uh, he concluded that he had nothing but the height of respect for the profession of photography and he was not making any personal judgment hmm. of the group. This is what happens, I find, when there's like a big story in the news that the public are really interested in and then it goes yeah. to an Arachtis committee. Most people, apart from me, most normal people don't sit around watching Arachtis committees. No. So, but when... The senators and TDs know that people are going to be watching Arachtis Committee, so it might be John Delaney from the FAI, mm. or it might be RT because they're Ryan Tuberty. Everybody wants to get their five minutes in the sun. Everybody mm. wants to get on the sixth one. And it's worked. It's worked for my whole character. Yeah. Now, now everyone's talking about him. There is a type of off-the-bat ignorance then that happens mm. because people want to get their name out there that I said something funny in a committee, yeah. but then comes off worse because as Betta has just explained, that's actually not what the job is. And some, as you were saying, some of the reporting has been very careless. But also, you know, I what's, what's also happening, and I know because I had people DMing me these mm -hmm. kind of things this week, because I posted about this on my Instagram, is that now people are debating whether or not every single person in RTE should be paid their wage. So like I had people say to me, but 60,000 60, is still loads and like that's too much and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hang on, I'm sorry. This is a normal person who's just doing a job. Like why is this normal private citizen of Ireland yeah. now having her worth debated by mm -hmm. people in my Instagram DMs yeah. and on forums around the country? Mm -hmm. Like she is a professional person who has worked to a professional level. Mm -hmm. That is an appropriate payment, like based on competitive, you know, other Rates. fields. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I know, you know, anecdotally from people who who work with her and who work on Fair City that like mm -hmm. she works really hard. Yeah. So like it's just so frustrating that this RTE thing Even if she didn't work very hard, she yeah. still got the job. But also, you know, this RTE thing, which obviously has to be talked about and has to be dealt with, and, and you know from listening to this mm -hmm. podcast, you know that I don't think that RTE should get away scot-free or whatever. But the fact that it's now coming down to individual hardworking people mm -hmm. within the organization having their worth debated by people who know nothing about their work is yeah. very frustrating. Like, let's remember the big picture guys here. Yeah. Like, it's not this person's this fault. Per, this photographer who is paid a fair wage based on the market for the work that she does mm -hmm. is not the enemy. Mm -hmm. Like, so okay. <laughs> Anywho, those are my strong feelings about that. We're going to flip the tables on the next one because is sick of me making her talk about it and I'm actually even glued to it, so. Um. I actually followed this one now because I felt like it was coming out. Oh, but yeah. Okay, well, I go know. on, so. So, from what I've worked out, you can tell me if I'm wrong, right? So, <laughs> what I've worked out is Spanish football has been a shit show for quite some time yes. in terms of their, their like national team, right? So, after Ruby Alice kissed her most, so he resigned three weeks later and then there was a general strike by national team players that just said, listen, it's one thing that he resigned and it's one thing that the manager was sacked, but there needs to be wide ranging issues that need to be solved within the national team. So they went to the women's strike. team. Yeah. yeah, the women's team. Yeah. So most of their international team has now agreed to rejoin the squad. 
Um, well, no, hang on, you're skipping. Crucial. Sorry, sorry. okay, go you. So, so we know Spain, women's football in Spain has been a shit show. Yep. Loads of players didn't go to the World Cup yes. because they, as a, by way of protest. Then the, the team still managed to win the World Cup, which is amazing for the players. And then Rubiales makes it a fucking joke, pardon my French, by kissing uh, Jenny Hermoso without her consent at the medal giving ceremony after they win the World Cup. That turns into a scandal. He refuses to resign. He acts the absolute maggot and then finally eventually accepts that he has to resign. However, the players, as you say, are still protesting because they're like, this is still a shit show. Yeah. And you need to sort your house out before we're going to come back and play for yes. you. Then... Despite the fact that the players had said they were on strike, the Spanish organiza- football organization named a team yes, full of called, players yes, they called them up. who'd said that they couldn't play and yeah. then told them that if they didn't come, they would be fined. fined. So and you'd they, lose your license to play football. Yeah. yeah. So the Spanish women were put into a position where they had no choice yeah. but to turn up. So you have this unbelievable footage of these players who have just won the World Cup, yeah. like having to arrive and being asked by journalists, are you happy to be coming? And them saying no. no. <laughs> so one of them said, so Barcelona defender Mappy Leon said, we've been forced to come, but if they want to sanction us, then we have to come. Misa Rodriguez was asked if she was happy to be included in the squad. The goalkeeper said no. And the two-time Ballon d'Or winner Alexia Patelis was asked at Barcelona Airport how she felt. And she said, well, bad. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's crazy. They said, the striking players issued a statement on Monday in which they had reiterated their wish not to be called up while acknowledging the potential for legal consequences. They had faced possible fines of between 3,000 and 30,000 and could have lost their licenses to play for up to five years but then what's even more wild within all of it is that jenny hermoso the person who mm-hmm. ruby alice kissed was not named in the squad nope. and according to the coach it was in order to protect her and she's like she basically she was said, like protect me from protect what? me from what if there's nothing wrong who yeah. are you protecting me from if everything's fine oh, i thought it was consensual so anyway they they've come to some sort of agreement yeah and the players are going to play they're going to play sweden but and and by the way big like power to the Swedish team who said that they would basically do whatever the Spanish team wanted them to do and that they weren't gonna you know female solidarity yeah 100% if if it wasn't sorted it has been sorted um to a certain extent but like why 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 are they such a mess but also why is it all these men speaking for women like I I understand that like obviously the money and all that is a lot to do with the men's team but in terms of running this the international spanish female team why is there not more women involved in the organization well i, I mean because it's football mm. that's why uh, but secondly like for me it's just the fact that these women have had they had a rough road to the world cup because of everything being a shit show and because, because of, of the protests then they made it to the World Cup. They managed to win the World Cup and they haven't even been able to enjoy it because no. of men making it a mess. Yes. And it's just so annoying. And then finally, just before we go, this I just... Class. This I is just, so good. That's interesting that that's your take. So go ahead. <laughs> 995 people broke a world record in County Leash this week for welly throwing. I mainly wanted to talk about this because I just... I do not understand the plowing championship. Oh my god, have you not been? I've never been. I know everyone says it's amazing, and I and I believe right. that, but it's I just not, can't get my brain around it. It's not amazing. Let's let's be real. So, I've been twice in my capacity as a journalist mm-hmm. um, to the 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 plowing championships, mm-hmm. and basically, it's like electric picnic for farmers. Mm. Um, you go everyone like everyone from the Sinn Féin the Social Democrats to the Dairy Association to like Aldi 
um anything to do with agriculture farming you can like go on tractor rides they have an actual plowing championship michael d yeah, Higgins because what goes. do you do like do you go you just walk around okay. and then you can like there's an actual plowing championship you can test drive tractors you can test drive so all types like, of farming um, equipment like something it's like an expo a, yeah it's an expo it's a farming expo more or less but they do a fat the plowing championship as well and michael d Higgins comes but anyway I've been a couple of times. Um, there, there's a bacon competition. I don't know if anybody's been looking at PJ Kirby's Instagram, but he is addicted to the Ployan Championship bacon competition. Yeah. It's little ladies. They're okay, like, so there's stuff happening. There's like yeah, activities. You can go okay. insane. Like, there's that's what I didn't get. I was like, so it's just like stalls. Loads like, of stalls. Like it sounded a bit but like, there's like you know, the higher bacon, options conference. Cook, no, it's like cooking classes. Okay, all right. There's yeah, a yeah, bacon yeah. competition. Okay. So yeah, anyway, they broke a world record. Because 995 people, including the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, look through a load of wellies. It's a wellie through in. Let me just get you the history of wellie through in. Hold on. So the former record was registered at Hallsworthy and Stratton Show in Hallsworthy, United Kingdom in 2018, where only 792 people took part. So we beat them by 200. Um... <laughs> So the one of those on site, Rose Connolly from County Tipperary, who said she'd never <laughs> been part of a world record attempt before, said, it's a good bit of crack. Aye. Fair play So yeah, they all had to launch their Wellington boots in the air in unison and they flew through the air. I have to say Niall Carson, the pr- photographer from PA was there. His photos are amazing. Mm. It's like rain and wellies. Um... Yeah, she said, it's a true testament to everyone here at the Ployan who backed Macra in our world record attempt. That is, um, oh, I don't know how to say that name. It looks beautiful. E-I-L-E-A-N. Ilan? Ilan? Hulan? It's the president of Macra and Affirmative. Oh, anyway, yeah. Aileen, that. I think it is. Aileen? Aileen. It's a beautiful name. Beautiful looking name. And I'm sure it sounds beautiful when I'm not butchering it. Yeah, so I do apologize. Aileen. Aileen. That's my lack of, um, my lack Gallic, of Gwilga edu- education. So apologies. Um, but anyway, she said, yeah, she said um, a true testament to everyone at the plowing. I have to go. I have to go and experience Go next it. year. Go next because year. Because everyone who I know who's been is like, ah, it's brilliant crack. But it's I just, great crack. But the description of it, up till you you saying there's like cooking classes and stuff and like stuff is happening because yeah. to me it was like it sounds a bit like you say electric picnic for farmers but then without gigs no so gigs. I was like so well, what do you go music, to like Mike Denver was singing there I, you won't know who Mike Denver is okay but Mike, so there's there's yeah, a show there's, there's music stuff. and okay, stuff okay yeah. all right yeah. all right face painting and then there's obviously like a big part of it is like the local organic agriculture so you could do like there's people who grow strawberries and like the food mm. is amazing I have to do these beef rolls oh my god I had a beef mm. roll like last year. I like a beef roll. Me too. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Aoife Moore. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Now, this week's chat is with one of you. Hugo Mills got in touch on the pod phone in relation to the housing crisis, as it is an area of interest of his. He lives in Berlin, having moved there because he couldn't find anywhere to live here, and wanted to share some of what's been happening there to improve the rental market and what we might be able to learn from them. He had too much to say, too much great stuff to say, basically, for me to just keep it to a voice note on the Patreon. So I was really grateful when he agreed to have a chat with me. Um, I found it very interesting and enlightening, and I hope you do too. 
So Hugo, um, you got in touch initially uh, via the pod phone um, to kind of share what, what you were experiencing in Berlin. And I said, no, we can't just have this as a clip. We need to have an actual conversation about this because obviously housing is something that we talk about a lot on the podcast. Although actually, as I was preparing for this this morning, I realized we haven't spoken about it for a while. And I think that that actually reflects on the kind of exhaustion a lot of us feel with regard to it and kind of how at capacity for thinking about it many of us are because the situation mm-hmm. hasn't gone away. I mean, it's still impacting almost everyone in this country in some capacity um, and it's impacting, you know, every 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 challenge that we face as a country really is being impacted by our housing situation. But the reason that you got in touch is because you live in Berlin and you have been watching what's happening there and to try and make a difference to the housing situation. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been watching and also participating. I came to Berlin about two years ago, frankly, partly because I needed to find somewhere to live that wasn't my parents' gaff in mm. Dublin and I couldn't afford it. I couldn't really afford anything in uh, in Ireland. I came here to a situation that was significantly different. The rents here are much, much uh, lower, but they are rising very, very significantly. Um, and this is seen by the local population, uh, rightly so, as an absolute crisis. And what they had been doing uh, in the summer that I arrived, the summer of 2021, was organizing uh, in order to campaign for and then actually have a referendum on uh, on housing. Now, what they were actually doing is kind of interesting. 85% of people who live in Berlin are renters. Right. So it's a very, very significant amount of the of the population. Mm. That means that everybody can kind of get behind the idea of stable and lower rent. The uh, a large, large part of the housing in Berlin is provided by private corporate entities. And the idea was to have a referendum which, if it passed, would expropriate these corporate uh, landlords. Now, I'm not talking about uh, your dad's mate who owns a few houses mm. or somebody who inherited. I'm talking about the limit was at least 3,000 units owned by a for-profit entity. So very, very Whoa, big. 3,000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But these are large, these are large uh, uh, corporate bodies. Yeah. And the idea... Who are literally be- profiting from, mm-hmm. you know... Mm-hmm. The higher exactly. the rent goes, the more profit they make, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the argument is against it is that they're not uh, doing a lot to invest into these properties to make right. them better in any way. So why on, why on earth would we be squeezed? Mm. And that would have had, uh, were, it to, were it to go through in its entirety, that would represent 11% of the housing stock in Berlin. So about wow. 260,000 units. It's a really radical plan. Mm. And when the referendum uh, passed, I mean, there was a lot of uh, toing and froing between political parties but the referendum was held on the same day as the national uh the national election mm. uh in september of 2021 and it passed by 59 percent of the vote so really a landslide yeah um it was, it was hugely successful and so how do you make that happen though i mean like passing the referendum is one thing but then how do you actually make it well this is the thing it has it has begun to be stuck in the weeds now Mm -hmm. uh, because various different parties had various different lines on it Mm -hmm. uh, and the party which got the most amount of votes within the berlin state senate uh, the spd um, the social democratic party they had actually already said before even the referendum was held that they were against the idea of expropriating corporate landlords so it was a bit of a you know a rock and a hard place then Mm -hmm. because 
uh, this uh, this go- this votership had brought in this uh, this government, which was led by a party that had said it was against it. Mm. But the votership had also said unequivocally, in my opinion, that by 60 percent that they wanted to see uh, uh, corporate landlords um, expropriated. Mm. Now, there was there is going to continue to be a lot of kicking the can down the road. The reason why it's come up again in the last couple of months is because one of the things that uh, the SPD did in order to kind of move it down, move it along a bit and uh, maybe shark responsibility, you might say, um, mm. uh, arguably, was to get a panel of legal ex- experts to just check and mm. see whether or not it was definitely, definitely constitutional. Mm. And they came back uh, a couple of months ago and they said uh, 13 uh, of the, I think it was 11 of the 13 uh, expert uh, panel uh, members said that it was absolutely legal and that it should go ahead mm. and now it's really a case of um of politics yeah god it's interesting isn't it and what what are like what are the other things that are happening like for you as a renter as you say one of the reasons that you moved to berlin in the first place was because the market here just wasn't you know tenable for you um and and isn't for many people um as we know a huge proportion of irish adults now living at home with their parents um you know what were the differences that made berlin more appealing First of all, the actual the actual rent, just you know, the amount. Uh, I live in a, a spacious uh, uh, apartment with friends of mine, very very close to the center of Berlin, and I'm paying about five hundred and twenty euro. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's a dream world. Um, when people come and visit me from Dublin, it's it's just the first thing I expect is about three or four minutes of complete shock while they ask <laughs> me all of the details of my rental contract, etc. What's also very different is that the standard here uh, for a rental contract is a quote unquote lim- unlimited. Uh, rental contract. So what that means is if, if I move into an apartment that you're renting to me, the standard is that you'll basically say, here is the flat. It's completely unfurnished. You do with it what you will. You buy the kitchen for it. You buy if you want new flooring, if you want a sofa, You that's your job. You do that. But uh, in return, kind of, basically, as long as I pay the rent, um, there's just no way of kicking me out. It's an unlimited contract. So the idea basically is that there is a huge amount of stability Mm -hmm. for renters. And this is why such a huge proportion of the population, I mean, half of all Germans are renters. Mm -hmm. And the the reason why is because it's a pretty good deal. Um, And that means that people at the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, poor people, they rent, but also rich people do as well. Mm -hmm. Professionals do, you know, your, your, your mate's friends, they are often all renting, they see it as a much more convenient solution. Buying is seen as a bit of a hassle. Well, yeah, because I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, in Ireland, that not only are you in a situation where you are, you know, paying through the nose for usually subpar accommodation, you also have no security, you know, and like, you know, for me as a parent, the idea of you know, living with the possibility that you could wake up any day of the week and get a message from your landlord to tell you that you have to move. You know, I know people, I know families who've had to do it like five times in five years. I mean, that's yeah. no way to live. What that does to a person is, is you know, unspeakable. No, it's unconscionable. And it, it does create a, a sense that I, 
I have to say my mental health certainly got a lot better when I uh, when I moved to Berlin because really there was never any of this idea of something hanging over me, the possibility that mm. the, at the end of the year uh, the landlord would just say, actually, do you know what, I've changed my mind. That doesn't really exist in the same way. Yeah. Now, it's not, it's not perfect. Mm. Uh, there are definitely problems here. First of all, lots of people are moving to places like Berlin and Germany more generally and then pricing out, quote unquote, uh, the local populations. And that really is just because you know, the growth spurt uh, in uh, in cities like this across uh, across Germany has just never been really seen before. Yeah. Berlin's uh, population between the end of the war and 2005 actually went down rather than going up. So they're not really as ready as they could be for this. And there isn't really enough building happening. So that does mean that you do have uh, a lines, shortage, yeah. Yeah, a sh- shortage and lines to, to view places and so on and so forth. But... Nonetheless, once you are, quote unquote, in, yeah. once you've got your foot in the door, you are much, much more stable yeah. than you would ever be as a renter in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because, you know, you can go through all of that stress and queue and rent bidding and all the rest and get somewhere and then a year later have to do it all again. Um, exactly. And what, like, are there other things that Berliners or German people are doing in general to try and kind of, you know, improve things for renters? Would you say that there are more active population in terms of kind of dealing with these issues i think it's hard to sort of compare like for like but i would say yes and i think there a lot of that just comes down to the fact that most of them are renters so they Mm. are they actually feel that they have a skin in the game as it were whereas actually um the majority of people who live in ireland are own their own home yeah um they might be of a certain age and so on and mm. so forth. But the, the fact is more than 60% of people in Ireland are living in a home that they own themselves. Mm. So that just means that 60% plus of the population doesn't consider it to be their problem, quote yeah. unquote. And you often have the kind of frustrating uh, experience of having people say, oh, yeah, sure, I didn't really think about this until yeah. my son or my nephew or some young person who I interact with on a daily basis started to have this problem. Yeah. Uh, whereas for anybody who is under 30 and not a millionaire, uh, yeah. then this is just literally the constant ongoing crisis. Mm-hmm. And we know that in terms of just the statistics uh, of all Irish adults uh, under the age of 25, 70% don't just say they want to leave Ireland, uh, they are planning to leave. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't uh, some sort of theoretical situation. This mm. is something that's happening day in, day out. It's going to be interesting to see, though, because we now have the situation where the home-owning generation are being impacted directly because so many of the next generation are staying at home. It will be interesting to see if that will impact the way that people vote and indeed, you know, whether or not people take action. Because I do feel like we hear this all the time that, like, you know, we need to do something about this, like, as a, as a population we need to force the politicians to do something about it. I mean, the idea that we should have to force politicians to do something about a housing crisis is beyond me. But, you know, there is kind of this this idea that we're inactive or that we, you know, you know, if we were French, we'd be on the streets kind of thing. Um, You know, and I I do wonder sometimes if if we should be doing more. I do agree that there is a a certain kind of um, maybe a laissez-faire attitude uh, to it. And also, um, you might say even a, a misdirection. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, for example, now, I mean, this is debatable, but there are now uh, calls for a referendum on the right to housing mm-hmm. uh, in the Irish constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, I study law and uh, Article 43 of the uh, of uh, the Irish constitution concerns private property. And yes, it does give a right to private property, but it does also 
say that that's basically all well and good, but it should be uh, be uh, provided also with social justice in mind mm. uh, and the idea that there is a kind of a consideration of a greater society. And that should really be enough in terms of a legal basis mm. for uh, for saying that there is effectively a right to housing in the Irish constitution, but it's being ignored, uh, basically. Mm. And uh, therefore, there is this campaign now to have a referendum on explicitly putting into the Irish constitution a right to housing. But it does remain controversial. Owen Daly, who is a lecturer in uh, NUIG, he has said uh, kind of opined on this and said look you know it's it's a fair enough plan but are we perhaps putting too much energy behind changing the constitution when mm. in reality what is that actually doing well exactly many- yeah what's that going to do <laughs> if we yeah. don't have the houses like you know what's yeah. that what's that going to do so for you I mean are you do you think you're a Berliner now like will you be staying there or do you think you'll come home at any stage I have to come home to uh, finish up finish up my training as a as a, a barrister in Ireland. So I'll be doing that from the end of this month, actually. But uh, where are I, you going to live? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I've had to I've had to have a few uh, difficult conversations exactly about that. Yeah. But you know, honestly, long term, I will be coming back to Berlin. It's yeah. uh, it's a place that because of the fact that um, I feel more stable i feel as though i can get along i feel as though um it's not a crisis uh to be uh paying my rent and uh, wondering whether or not that'll be the the last time i pay that particular landlord before i have to move on to something else it just means that i can envision a uh, a a future for myself yeah. that uh you know, it doesn't involve a huge amount of uh, stress and anguish. It's and, wild, uh, isn't it? I wonder if people yeah. even realize what they're carrying around with them. Like, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I really didn't myself until, yeah. I mean, I, it really was when I first arrived in uh, in Berlin, I lived with a German who was explaining to me this whole idea that, mm. you know, you know, if you pay your rent, they can kick you out. I mean, my mind just obviously exploded. Mm. Uh, just that the, the very idea that that was an option. I thought that the whole idea was that they could kick you out whenever. And he himself was kind of horrified by this yeah. uh, this this completely normal uh, state of affairs in Ireland. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really was the moment. I, I mean, I came to Berlin initially just for the summer. Uh, but the mo- the minute I realized how good it could be, that's when I started to make plans to find something more uh, uh, more permanent because, frankly, it was just a much easier and much happier life. Mm. God, it's grim, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I mean, absolutely. it's not grim for you. I'm happy for you. But like it is it is grim that we are living in this situation that is not only logistically difficult, but, the you know, the pressure that it's putting on us all um, is almost indescribable. It is. And I will say, yes, it is grim. And it's grim for me, too. You know, I, I, I understand that I'm not dealing with the Dublin housing crisis every day and I'm not uh, refreshing daft.ie. But I think this is something that's kind of important to remember is that there are a lot of people outside of Ireland. We think about a, a generation immigration and people mm. often have ideas of people who've just left college who are mm. kind of swanning around, uh, you know, living uh, the high life, New York, living the high life, having a great old time and sure what they come home soon at some point. But actually, as the years go by and the crisis gets worse, not better, uh, these people grow up. And, you know, I have spent actually the majority of my uh, adult life outside of Ireland. Yeah. And I can't tell you, I often think about 
whether I will be able to return home. Mm. Uh, this is a conversation that I often have with fellow yeah. Irish people who have moved away. It's kind of thinking about, well, when we get old, where will we go? You know, will we be back in Ireland? And I, I mean, it's it's very sort of, it's very bewildering to think about this but I do sometimes wonder Jesus you know would I manage in a in a German retirement home you know what yeah. would uh, what would that be like not being able to necessarily understand everything that uh, that uh, people say around me being worried that I don't have a close family member around uh, to look after me yeah. uh, and so on and so forth because at the end of the day we're now being forced to uh, uh, to deal with the possibility mm. that actually growing old won't be back home in Dublin it yeah. won't be uh, with your friends it won't be all the bad weather and lovely people yeah um, said it might just be somewhere else where the people don't really understand you yeah um, so this is why the urgency of action Mm. is so is so fundamental absolutely I think that's really well put I and it's not something that I'd considered and as you were speaking there I was thinking as well that of course you know we lose as well because we're losing a generation of talented gifted people you know the people who decide to leave and initiate a new life in a new place because you know it's simply not good enough here those are usually the brightest you know self-starters yeah. you know the people who we really need in this country to help you know create change and, and make it into a better place Place, but we're just losing people like you and it's it's really sad it is a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a of a kind of a, a long-term disaster for ireland i mean mm. we have uh, believe it or not the youngest population uh, on average in all of the european union that is an incredible advantage against other countries who mm. have swiftly rapidly aging populations that are costing a lot mm. um and they would wish for you know the amount of uh young highly educated and ambitious people mm. that ireland seems at least by its political class to take entirely for granted mm. i mean the idea that most not even like half but most of the young people in ireland are planning to leave when GDP growth is, you know, almost in the double digits mm. and all making so much money, blah, blah, blah. So they mm. tell us, you know, is, is, is insane. It is. Uh, it is the single biggest advantage that we have. And we're essentially uh, pissing up against the wall. Absolutely. Well, Hugo, I always say that this podcast has the best listeners and you have just proven that because <laughs> what it, like intelligent and articulate input into this whole situation that we all face you've given you. today. I so appreciate you taking the time. I know I'm an absolute nightmare to deal with on email. Um, so you have been very patient with me and I really appreciate that. Um, and uh, I have, I'm sure we'll speak again. Um, but thank you so much. Very kind. Thank you very much, Louise. What a pleasure. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now it is time to talk celebs, and of course we need to talk about Russell Brand, uh, but don't worry, it's not all doom and gloom. Kean Sullivan and I also talked about one of the biggest power moves in pop cultural history, Taylor Swift and Sophie Turner's pop walk. Enjoy. Kean Sullivan, it is, oh Jesus, I just immediately punched my microphone there. Um, <laughs> it is excited. a pleasure to be, I'm just so excited. Um, a pleasure to be back with you. Uh, Back in that, guess who's back in the house, Keen? Guess who's you back are. in the house? Mother is here. <laughs> I love yeah. how jovially we're starting this, even though our first story is so bleak. So, so grim. Yeah, just get, keep yourself happy. Okay, so let's get into it. I, I mean, yeah. it's the conversation on everyone's lips this this week. Russell Brand. Um, so on Friday, he took to YouTube to refute allegations which hadn't been published yet. Um, they came in the form of a documentary and a series of articles put together by the Sunday Times and dispatches on Channel 4 with the experiences of four women who anonymous, anonymously took part in the documentary sharing their experiences of sexual assault, emotional abuse and rape from between 2006 to 2013, which is the peak of Brand's career. One woman was only 16 at the time as well, which is the age of consent in the UK. And then there was a fifth woman who was mentioned. Her name was Jordan Martin. She's a former girlfriend of Brand. I don't think she actively took part in either the articles or the documentary, mm. but she had released a book in 2014 which alleged uh, Brand's abusive relationship in a relationship in 2007. Mm. The documentary I was... I mean, no one comes out good from the documentary. Mm. Channel 4, mm. Big Brother, Hollywood, fans TV, of any of those yeah. people, any of those things, you know, including myself. Um, and it is jarring to look back to see how he, you know, how open it was. You know, the documentary is called In Plain Sight, there's a clip of him basically pulling down his trousers and sitting on Jodie Marsh. There's um, clips from his stand-up. There's the famous uh, prank call of Andrew Sachs about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Ross telling Andrew Sachs that Russell Brand had slept with his granddaughter Georgina Bailey. There's the conversation with Jimmy Savile, which I'd never heard before, mm-hmm. Um in which Russell Brand offers his radio assistant to go over to Jimmy Savile before all the allegations came out and asked Jimmy Savile, in what way would you like her to dress? And Jimmy Savile said nothing at all. And he said, well, we can arrange that. Mm. Just I, all the signs were there, you know? Yeah, I found it... Um, I have found this to be very confronting because mm. I loved Russell Brand. Okay. Like, I was one of those girlies who like was like absolutely mad about him. And I've really had to kind of sit with that this week and be like, why did I like him? Um, Because who I am now at 40 is very different to who I was at 22, 23 when Mm. I was like mad about him. Um, And I've really been trying to get down to to brass tacks about what it was. Because I can remember even at the time being like, no, like, obviously he's a ridiculous character. (laughs) Like, Mm. you know, look at him, the hair, the, you know, the whole thing. Like, I see that it's ridiculous. But he, he was like, I mean 
incredibly charming and I think that has come out like there's no arguing with that Mm -hmm. like even the journalist Emily Maitlis was talking about having interviewed him in 2017 and saying she went into the interview kind of ready to loathe him is the word she used but then in the end he comes in and he's you know super charismatic and Mm -hmm. you know you kind of can't help but be charmed by him but I think the way he kind of had character in my head the way he had characterized his like you know playboy lifestyle or like womanizing behavior really is how I would Mm. look at it now and is like that he loved women Mm. all women and at the time the culture was um extremely focused on thinness like thin women were the only women you ever really saw and I remember Russell Brand had sex with lots of different women with lots of Mm. different bodies and like none of them were big women or like you know but I I think that I warmed to him because of that Mm. and I think I was like oh he loves all women and like you know maybe it would be realistic for me to think that someone like I don't know I I honestly think that that was what it came down to Mm. that was like the pivotal thing for me but then when I was watching the documentary and they were showing the clips of his stand-up and like there's one one bit that I found just particularly upsetting personally from the perspective of of thinking about myself watching this kind of stuff and being impressed by it where he talks about you know oh the kind of blowjobs where the mascara is running and I was just like oh my god it's so gross but I completely bought into it at Mm. that age and it, it made me really sad for myself and it meant that when I was reading the article and you know Alice I'm that's the the name given to the 16 year old girl is talking about being collected from school in her school uniform at 16 and being brought to his house and a taxi driver begging her not to go in like saying please don't go in you could be my daughter because he knew what, mm. you know what the story was and yeah. I really identified with her and the fact that she still went in because the vulnerability if you are a woman who has low self-esteem or a young girl who has low self-esteem and is extremely vulnerable, it is so easy for men to take advantage of that. Mm. And I know that from personal experience. So I've found it to be really like, it's, it's, it's I've thought a lot about this this yeah, week, absolutely. just in the context uh, in trying to relate to Alice and mm. thinking about, you know, her experience, I can completely understand why she had the experience she had, you know, when you have someone who is so incredibly charismatic and powerful and, mm. um, you know, you would be charmed by that. And, you, and you're you're not really old enough or mature enough to know that you deserve perhaps better than the way 100%. that you're being treated. And he was grooming her in a way that he, like, it, there was clearly intent there that he knew what he was doing was wrong because he, or that he would get in trouble for it, at least because he had asked her to save him in his phone as Carly. Yeah, according to her. According to her. Yeah. She, he, according to her, she, uh, he like coached her in how to lie to her parents to get out of the house to go see him and stuff like that. So it, it wasn't just like bull in a china shop. There was, you know, specific manipulation and intent there. Yeah. Um, I also was reflecting, I suppose I never... I liked Big, uh, Russell Brand on Big Brothers, Big mm. Mouth, and a few other things, but I never would have watched his stand-up or anything like that. But I think because he was so intimidatingly articulate, which is yeah. a word we'll come back to later on, um, I think it made you as an audience member feel smarter mm. in a way. That he's like, he's talking about these lowbrow stuff with these big words that yeah. like, if you get the joke, it's almost like the Empress New Clothes that you yeah. can be like, I understood the joke. Yeah. Do you know what it made me feel like? You know, you know, the expression pick me. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, it's like, a, a, it's a derogatory term that's used for women who are like desperate for male approval. Mm. And I think what I've realized this week is I was a pick me. <laughs> like at We're that time, at times, I yeah. really was because I, you know, because I was even thinking I listened to his radio show religiously. And like, now I'm like, I would never listen to something like that. Mm. Like, 
think, you know, lads, 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 you know, it would be him and, you know, Noel Gallagher and his best mate, Matt, and, you know, a very ladsy. I listened to the mm. whole Andrew Sachs thing. I, I remember listening to right. it. I remember laughing and I remember thinking the whole thing was an overreaction. And I don't think I ever for one second thought about Georgina Bailey yeah. and like her experience of, of being at the center of this, you know, media storm being slut shamed and spoken about in such a disrespectful way. Mm. So, I mean, in a way, I suppose it's demonstrative of how far I've come, but like, you know, I think think he you're right I think he made you feel kind of part of a cool in crowd he was living this like Camden lifestyle and yet he had the kind of superiority of being someone who was like a little bit more evolved and like I'm sober Mm. and I've been on a journey and he had the vulnerability built in because he knew his addiction past and And he spoke so well about it um yeah it's it's Shante Joseph from the Guardian podcast, she actually had a really interesting segment, I think it's out today, where they talk about the Andrew Sachs thing and how the backlash that at the time was seen as conservative yeah, and kind of right wing pearl clutching. And now when you look back at it, it's left wing outrage almost, you know, yeah. so it's just interesting to see how things have changed. Well, I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of uncomfortable even talking about this, to be honest, but I was working for a radio station at the time doing a breakfast show and they sent me over to London. They flew me over to try and like find Russell Brand. Oh, wow. It was like a feature on the station um, to offer him a job. Okay. On the station. It was a stunt, obviously. Um, And again, now I'm like horrified. Like I did it and I thought it was funny and I thought it was cool. And like, you know, this is even, to be honest, independent of these horrendous allegations Mm. that have come out this week. But even just based on what he had done at that time and the kind of material that he was doing at that time, like the fact that I was up for that. Mm. um, And the fact that people were willing to send a woman on her own to go find him. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, But, but I think... Yeah, I think it's been confronting, like, obviously, the most important thing are the the women at the center yeah. of these allegations. And, you know, I, I have heard that there have been further reports this week. Mm-hmm. And those are the most important people in the in the in this situation. However, yeah. there is a wider context that I think we are all being forced to confront and really think about and also question how how far we've come. We've definitely made progress because otherwise this wouldn't be so jarring. Yeah. But how much progress have we made, I suppose? I know. And the thing is, you know, well, I first thought, like, I guess I was a bit cynical as to why this was happening now. Like, these these allegations date back to 2013, and is it because he's just not being employed by Channel 4 anymore? But actually, these articles take a long time to mm. create, and this has been in the works for years. Mm. Um, and the standard of evidence is so high under liable laws that it becomes really difficult to do these sort of exposés on people, for for good or bad. Um so yeah, this has been an open secret for a long time, but also this investigation has been ongoing for a long time. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, and I think that that point is really important to to kind of hammer home that like it's extremely difficult to write articles like this and make programs like this unless mm-hmm. you have a a very large, you know, amount of undeniable evidence. Yeah. So you know, there's been a lot of conversation this week of people kind of casting doubt on it and stuff, and people who want to defend Russell Brand. But the <laughs> reality is, no, obviously this isn't a conviction in a court of law, and obviously these are allegations on the mm-hmm. basis that they haven't been proven in a court of law yeah. but for Channel 4's legal team and the Times' legal team to um, approve these things to be published I mean you and I have both worked in media yeah. like that's not something that would have been done lightly like no. there would have needed to be undeniable proof basically and scrutiny speaking yeah. of supporters a murderer's row of men have come out to support him 
all your least favorites are here. Andrew Tate, Elon Musk, Alex Jones, Ben Shapiro. Like if that's Tucker not an Carson, indictment. Lawrence Fox. I mean, if I ever made a piece of content and I heard Andrew Tate liked it, I'd burn it straight <laughs> away. I'd be like, I need to take a long hard yeah. look at myself. I'm going away to an island for a couple of months to really assess what I'm doing. Yeah. Like he couldn't make it up. Since then, YouTube have suspended his account from... Mon- gaining money from ads for violating his creator responsibility policy um, which will be a big knock for him because that's where he's making the majority of his money he still is on uh, sites like Rumble which are kind of more right wing leaning I'm sure there'll be some sort of Patreon version for mm-hmm. him that he'll make up if he can you know activate these followers even more to make money yeah um, I was kind of surprised by the YouTube thing it's it's quite a big move by them yeah um given the fact that it had this has not been proven in in court and mm-hmm. um, and i think it kind of you know it, it's going to fuel a lot of right-wing fire um, yeah. about you know people being silenced and cancelled and all the rest yeah but i mean personally i'm glad to see it mm-hmm. because obviously you know just in case you haven't been paying attention which in fairness a lot of people haven't been paying attention to russell brand over the last number of years russell brand pivoted dramatically around 2018 uh from what he was doing previously to doing um kind of kind of styling himself as like a wellness guru nearly but also leaning into conspiracy theories so he has genuinely built a sense of distrust in his fans in the media mm. he spent years doing that and now you know his chickens have come home to roost and he's like well i told you the media were out to get me yeah exactly oh isn't it convenient as soon as he rivaled big media that yeah these things come out to he's getting fair, too close to the truth, truth i've seen people saying and that's why this happened but also he's still employed by mainstream media he was in two movies last year he was in death on the Nile, the Kenneth Branagh movie. He was in Minions, Return of Gru. Yeah. So shut I mean, up, Russell. Brand. He still has he still has paychecks from big Hollywood pr- producers. Yeah. So he's what's um, the expression talking out of both sides of his mouth? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say as well, justice for Danny Minogue. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, she's the first person to speak out against Russell Brand back in two thousand six, who called him a vile predator. Yeah, I also really, really enjoyed um, that Bob Geldof moment. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> in the documentary, they show Russell Brand presenting Bob Geldof with I think it's an enemy award yeah and um <laughs> Bob Kelto walks up and I'm about to use some very bad language so just if you need to silence me do um and he goes Russell Brand what a cunt <laughs> <laughs> and you can see Russell is yeah, seething yeah. but that was apparently because Russell Brand had had a romantic kind of liaison with Bob Del- Geldof's teenage daughter. Oh, God. Like, ugh, it's all so gross. It's so yeah. gross. Well, so also, gross. Vanessa Feltz shared this clip of her being on his show where he asked, could he have it off with her and her two daughters in front of an audience? And she felt incredibly uncomfortable. Of course as you she can did. Imagine. Of course she did. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting week. And... <clears throat> Excuse me, I suppose uh, what I hope is that this maybe encourages other people who might have had similar experiences to come forward and also to feel strength in the support that Mm. lots of people are, are giving them and hopefully to ignore the people who seem so deeply committed to just just always doubting any woman who ever says yeah. that she's had an experience of mm. sexual assault. Like those people don't deserve to be listened to, frankly. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to something much lighter. Yes. Absolutely loved this power move that took place with two women this week. Yeah, chess grandmaster Taylor Swift <laughs> has found another way to stick the knife into Mr. Perfectly Fine, aka Joe Jonas, as she took his now soon-to-be ex-wife Sophie Turner out for dinner in Via Carote in the West Village in New York. It's her Sophie's first appearance since the divorce announcement. And what a power move. Absolutely. 
Like the two of them are just there looking fun, happy. Sisters it, are doing it for themselves. It's just so perfect because obviously we've spoken about it on the podcast before. It seemed like Joe Jonas, certainly there was a PR machine out there to try and make Sophie Turner look bad. You can only assume it's Joe Jonas's people who mm-hmm. are doing that. I mean, obviously we won't know for sure. Um, and she stayed silent and said nothing. And people just continued to question the stories that were coming out. And everybody seemed to be team Sophie. And then for her to come out with Taylor Swift, yeah. woman of the moment. And obviously, um, you know, previous disparager of joe jonas (laughs) it's just stunning do you ever hear when celebrities go for dinner that you look up the menu and see what they would eat no No, that's what i did here there was an italian restaurant to be honest i was probably getting too excited with like the 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 different italian parcels and i was like they probably just went for like a green salad or something like that unfortunately but there was some very high caliber italian food on the menu in via carota i would really like to know i would love now i would pay good money to read the messages oh yeah between them organizing this or listen to the voice notes because who uh, taylor definitely contacted sophie oh yeah I think, and was like, Sophie, let's do it. Like, let's come on. And Sophie was like, oh my God, yes, let's. Like, I want to hear the plotting, (laughs) you know? Did they talk about what they were going to wear? Like, did they, you know, did they call the paparazzi? Like, did they intentionally go somewhere beforehand so that the paparazzi were with them? Like, It looks like a pap walk, to be fair. It does. But like, so yeah, exactly. That's part of the PR machine. delighted with themselves, as they should. Um, Oh, I found it just so pleasing. So pleasing. I also want to see the face of Joe Jonas when he sees the article. Oh, me too, yeah. Me too. (laughs) Taylor! (laughs) Okay, um, now let's talk about another man being an idiot this week. Um, I'm talking about John Wenner. Wenner, maybe? Maybe Um, Jan. Jan, yeah. Jan Wenner, I believe. Excuse Um, me. According to... The New York Times. Well, thank you for, I appreciate you correcting me. Um, He is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame co-founder and co-founder of Rolling Stone magazine. And he has been talking out of his arse. He's in some hot water. So he was doing some promo for his new book, The Masters, which compiles interviews with seven male musicians, including Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, Bono, John Lennon, Springsteen, etc., etc., he, all the lads. Yeah, all the lads. He's <laughs> no longer involved in Rolling Stone, but is one of the founders. So he's, he's 77. So, you know, he's lived a long life, so to speak. Um, he was being interviewed for promo for his book by New York Times journalist David Marchese, who asked him, you know, basically, why no women? It's not that they're not creative geniuses. It's not that they're inarticulate. Although, go have a deep conversation with Grace Slick or Janice. Please be my guest. Or Cass, Elliot, wonderful person. You know, Joni was not a philosopher of rock and roll. She didn't, in my mind, meet that test, not by her work, not by other interviews she did. The people I interviewed were the kind of philosophers of rock, of of black artists. I mean, you know, Stevie Wonder, incredibly genius. You know, they're genius writers. These are genius artists. I mean, I suppose when you use a word as broad as the masters, the fault is using that word, you know, but uh maybe Marvin Gaye. You just I could cut Curtis Mayfield or I mean they just didn't articulate at that level, you know? Well, but how do you know if you didn't give them a chance to? Because I read their I read I read interviews with them, I I, I listen to their music, I know you know to it from the music and the lyrics they write, the kind of things they're writing about. I mean, look at what Townsend was writing about, or Jagger is writing, or any of them were writing about, you know, and they were kind of deep things about a particular generation, a particular spirit and a particular attitude about rock and roll not that the others weren't either but these were the ones who could really articulate 
Don't you think it's actually more to do with your own interests as a fan and a listener than anything particular to the artists that you're talking to? I think the problem is when you start saying things like they or, you know, these artists can't. Really, it's a reflection of what you're interested in more than any ability or inability on the part of these artists, isn't it? That was my number one thing. The selection was intuitive. It was what I was interested in. Yeah, absolutely. And still, who would you have me interview today you think could articulate the philosophy of rock and these times in that way? You know, for just for public relations sake, maybe I should have gone and found uh, one black and one woman artist to include here that didn't measure up to that same historical standards just to, to avert this kind of criticism, which, I mean, I get it. I knew, and I had a chance to do that, and I just, I, you know, I, I maybe I'm old-fashioned. And- so, basically, women aren't good enough. They're not articulate enough. <laughs> it was, apparently, after he said that, the uh, David Marchese said, I will allow you to rephrase that, which <laughs> he knows <laughs> you are in. Yeah. The, so he kind of stumbles over himself trying to correct it and kind of just puts his foot in his mouth and like, you know, oh, Joni Mitchell, but she's not really one of the rock legends. And then, you know, Stevie Wonder, I mean, he's, you know, he's great, but like, is he articulate enough? And just like digging a hole, making it worse for himself mm. and just kind of, you know, just one last reminder of the sort of old school mentality of gatekeepers behind all of these big publications who lean in this sort of raucous way, which for I guess is, is a word that is used in music criticism to describe a sort of like old man, old boys club mm. of white guitarists being the best music. And I suppose nowadays there's a word called optimism, which is more considered than music that isn't rock can be just as high quality as yeah. rock music, basically. And yeah, it's just a reminder of kind of like, you know, the old vanguard and kind of how back, you know, how rigid their their likes are. Yeah, I found it kind of upsetting to read. And I heard some female musicians speaking about it this week who, who find it very upsetting and found it kind of. I think a lot of women in music have to work really hard mm. to believe that they will be taken seriously. And then when something like this happens, they're like, oh, maybe I just won't be taken seriously. Yeah. But I do think it's important to remember I didn't realize his age. Like I knew he was an older man, but 77 is, yeah. you know, that's, that's, I that's did, an I older did man. I think like if this was my granddad saying this, yeah. I suppose I wouldn't be too surprised by yeah, it, but it's still not take right a pi- to say. Give a pinch of salt. Yeah. yeah. You'd be like, look, you know, it's not okay to say, obviously it's completely wrong. However, I don't think, I, I hope it's not a reflection of where music is now. Um, so I hope that, you know, female musicians take heart in the fact that I, I do think that this is, I hope this is a dying attitude. I and while there will apology. always, yeah. He did a, like you know, a snippet of his, I totally understand the inflammatory nature of the badly chosen words and deeply apologize for all. So I think like the apology was decent enough that he was like, I realize what I said. And then he mm. kind of goes on to be like, there's loads of people I love and, the, and you know, women and I, I shouldn't have said that basically. I don't know. My, like, yeah. He should have just pitched this as I chose these seven because these are the seven I like the most. Yeah, they're my favorites. Easy yeah. peasy. Yeah. Um, this is also the man who fired a journalist for writing a bad negative review of a Ho- Hootie and the Blowfish album. So, <laughs> if you want to read more, <laughs> if you're interested, uh, uh, all scars, uh, non- what is it? All warts and all approach. There's a book called Sticky Fingers, which is a biography written about him that he hated. Okay, wonderful. That yeah. sounds great. Um, and finally, we have to talk about the whole <laughs> men getting things wrong. <laughs> this is just this so is enjoyable. So- 
So enjoyable. Dave Kennedy, who is likely, do you know the big fat quiz of the year where they bring a ma- somebody out and they're like, what was this new yeah, story? Yeah, involved? yeah, yeah. This is going to be Dave Kennedy <laughs> this year. I'm, I'm putting my money on it. So good old Dave Kennedy was walking on his local Port Moranic beach and saw a hole in the sand and knew straight away it was an impact site, which is a quote. And there was a rock in the middle of it. He calls up Virgin Media News. He is, guys, we're on something big here. There's scorch marks on the rock. It's heavier than expected. And then some clever internet suits basically stitched that in with a video from the previous weekend of a group of lads in bucket hats sticking the hole. Which, to be fair, is almost perfectly round. I mean, they did a good job. Yeah, like it's quite a hole. Um, But yeah, anyway, this was covered by Virgin Media News who were saying that it could be the aftermath of a cosmic event. And then as it turns out, it was just some lads digging it up with yeah. the with the kid's shovel. I mean, think I can't think of a better example of confirmation bias. We yeah. need to show this clip forevermore of people who, if you think it's going to be an impact site, you'll find reasons to think it is an impact site. But in reality, it's just a group of lads who dug a hole. Now you would think, and Virgin Media News, I love you, but you would think that Virgin Media would have had gotten an expert out maybe mm. to kind of just have a look at it and say, ah, yeah. One of my favourite things is like, well, luckily, luckily, I'm a big fan of space and exploration and stuff like that. Which is like, who's lucky here? You? Yeah. Lucky for you guys, I'm, an, I'm a self-complained expert And I know what I'm looking at, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. look, is sure. Is journalism under attack? I don't know. They gave us a great laugh, didn't they? Fair There's play. Actually, I don't know if you listen to the podcast... A criminal. No. There's a really fun episode called The Clearwater Beach Monster. It's all they're all like individual episodes of kind of true crime stories, but like crime is a very broad term. Yeah. And this is of like I think it's like a group of brothers in Florida who would like put on these big fake uh feet and run around the beach and people thought they were there's a monster in the water. <laughs> now in fairness, that's their you know. How else would you explain really big monster exactly, feet? Exactly. That so, seems fair to me. This is fair. But yeah, if you enjoyed that story, you might enjoy that episode. Well, Keen Sullivan, thank you so much. Where can people find you? You're kicking off Sissy That Pod again, right? Yeah, season five of Drag Race is out. I'm doing a live viewing party for anybody who'd like to come along. Maybe you haven't watched Drag Race before and you, this would be a great place to start. Oh, it would, yeah. With a room full of fans in the Bernard Shaw on Thursday the 28th. And then you can follow the podcast every Thursday thereafter. Fabulous. I'm going to get back on the drag race train this yeah. season. I have I fell off after many, many years. There was just so much there's, at one stage. There was so much. I need to just get I back find, on the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll, Choose I'm, the ones you like. And I'll be back. Yeah. Keen Sullivan, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks, Louise. It is just about time for me to go. But before I do, uh, some recommendations. As I mentioned, the supermodels on Apple TV Plus, very palatable viewing. Um, I don't think it's going to blow any minds or break any new ground, but it was very interesting um, if you're into fashion at all or indeed models and that entire world. I also watched The Summer I Turned Pretty season two over the last couple of weeks and... I don't know, like, am I even recommending it? It's like candy floss for the eyes. It's pretty bad, but also somehow watchable. You know, it's about this teenage girl who uh, has spent her entire life going and spending time in this summer house with her mom's best friend and her kids. And she's always been like the geeky girl. And then one year she arrives and she doesn't wear glasses anymore. And all of a sudden she's beautiful. 
And um, she's always fancied her mom's friend's son. But then that year, he fancies her back. But so does his brother. Will she choose the man she's always, man, boy she's always fancied? Or will she choose the boy who's always been her best friend? It's very dramatic. There's a lot of Taylor Swift music in it. I like I I watched it and I wanted to watch it, but I still I'm not sure that it's good. But if you want some candy floss for the eyes and mind, it's there for you. It's on Amazon Prime. I also want to recommend the latest season of Below Deck Down Under. If you are aware of Below Deck but haven't entered the world of Below Deck, have been intimidated by how many different Below Deck franchises there are, then I think this would be a good one to start with, actually, this most recent series. I think it was really good. There was a lot of drama and a lot of interesting stuff happened and a nice cast. It is on Hey You to stream. Um, And if you're not familiar at all, Below Deck is a series where basically... um, they are on a a yacht a charter yacht so every few days they have new people come on board but you're really following the staff and the crew of the yacht and um, you get to see rich people acting ridiculous and you get to see the um, drama that unfolds between the staff and crew I believe is the technical term on the yacht it's it's so watchable it's so watchable and the most recent as I said series that aired was Below Deck Down Under so it was in Australia and it was um, very enjoyable so that might be a good entry point for you that's all I have for you my friends Uh, but I will be back with you on the Patreon next week uh, early in the week and then I will be back with you as always next Friday thank you so much to Acast and all my wonderful contributors for their help Um, I hope you guys aren't too upset about the news about Aoife I know it's a big deal but um, you know she has to she has to do her thing and we respect that Um, I will be back with you as I said next Friday in the meantime I hope you have a good week but as always If you can't have a good week, that's okay. They can't all be good. Just put one foot in front of the other and we will speak again next week. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.